Today's passage will be from Luke 5, verses 1 to 11. Uh, The words will appear on the screen. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding round him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people on the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that the nets began to break. So they signaled to the other partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. He and all those companions were astonished at the catch and, and they, that they had taken. So were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will, be fish, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Hello, my name is Alex. I know we've said it already, but welcome to church. It's good to have you here. I've called Grace Church home for about five years now, although I always feel the need to add in that it's actually been part of my story for much longer, and I love it here. I did go to church growing up, but it wasn't until I was about 19 and at a service not dissimilar to this one that I say I first became a Christian, a follower of Jesus. And so today I thought it'd be good to look into what does it look like to become a follower of Jesus? And to do that, we're going to take a look at an account from Jesus's life. There are four different accounts in the Bible. You might have heard of them. There are Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. And today we're diving into what Luke has to say. So to put this all into a bit of context then, Jesus has been preaching and teaching around the region and performing many, many miracles of healing. As a result, he is drawing massive crowds everywhere he goes. And in this instance, they're gathered on the shore of Israel's largest lake, the Lake of Gennesaret, also known as the Sea of Galilee. And at this point, the crowds are getting so big that they are pressing in on Jesus. So he comes up with an ingenious plan. He sees a couple of empty fishing boats on the shore and he decides to get in one, which I think is kind of hilarious and risky because it's essentially like getting into a stranger's unlocked car completely unannounced, which I just reckon doesn't go down all that well in the majority of cases. Fortunately for Jesus, he does actually know the owner of the boat. It's his friend, Simon. So Simon rows him out from the shore where all of the crowd can see and hear him. And then after Jesus has finished teaching, he does a curious thing. He doesn't ask to be taken back to land. Instead, he turns to Simon and says, hey, row out further into deeper water and let down your nets for a catch. Now, while this might seem like a bit of a fun recreational activity between friends, it's actually quite a strange request from Jesus. And if you're Simon, quite an inconvenient and an annoying one too. You see, as a fisherman, Simon generally fished at night when it was cooler and when the fish were more likely to come to the surface. 
And what's more, these nets we're talking about were probably about half a mile long. They'd form a kind of wall in the sea to trap the fish. So all to say, this is no small request from Jesus at the end of an already long day. Simon and crew probably just want to go home and eat something and get some sleep. But no, Jesus wants them to go again. I can only imagine how they must be feeling. Perhaps some of you are feeling a little bit like that today. Weary, tired, worn out, a bit done, a bit down. Perhaps like Simon, you've been working really hard towards something in life, but to little or no end. And if you have, I'm not surprised. I feel like our world is kind of built on this concept of striving. Striving for success, striving for a certain set of exam results, striving for that Instagram perfect body, striving for a certain amount of money in the bank. Sometimes we don't even know what we're striving for, but we're striving for other people's approval or to be seen and wanted and known and liked, to be a good person, to be a better person, to be that idealized version of you that you have in your head. Striving for perfection. I've just thrown that one in there because that's been the very real story of my last couple of days. I wonder what you're striving for today, knowingly or unknowingly. Simon here has been striving for success. He wants some fish and they haven't got any. So when Jesus says, hey, let's go again, you can tell Simon doesn't think this is a good idea. He says, master, we've worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything. He might as well have said, boss, I'm not being funny, right? But we worked really hard all night. We put in a really good shift. We did everything we know how to do. And I'm telling you, there's just no fish. And no offense, but this is kind of my day job. So I think I know what I'm talking about. Maybe Jesus just looks at him patiently, but for whatever reason, Simon says, okay, okay. But for you at your word, fine, we'll do it. And you did help my mother-in-law the other week and my wife is really happy. So I am super grateful. Fine, we'll do it. Come on boys, get the stuff, we're going again. So against his professional judgment, against common sense, against what seems rational or logical, Simon surrenders his plans for Jesus's plans, even if it is with a hefty dose of skepticism. You know, God can do a lot with a small amount of faith. It's amazing how when you surrender your plans to God's plans, he is able to do so much more than you could ever have done on your own. He's able to do so much more than you could believe or imagine. It's certainly true for Simon and friends because when they let down these nets for a catch, they get the biggest catch of fish they have ever seen in their entire lives. These massive nets are breaking, and when they're trying to haul the fish back into the boat, the boat itself starts sinking, which I don't know if you've ever been in a boat or a canoe or a kayak or a pedalo. Hmm? When the water starts coming in, it can be quite an unnerving experience and they have to call in reinforcements for help. It's true for Simon and friends, but it's also true for you and I. I remember when I first became a Christian and I was listening to a talk like this and I just had so many questions. I was at a strange place in my life, but I didn't know what I thought about religion. It seemed like a lot to do and I didn't know how much it did for people. And isn't it just a massive crutch that people use to hobble through life? I was really skeptical, but 
amidst all of the questions and the thoughts in my mind, I had what felt like just one small moment of surrender. And it did feel very small, but I remember thinking, but if this is true and if you are real, then I do actually want to know. And it wasn't bitter and it wasn't angry and it wasn't antagonistic. It was just the words of someone on their last legs really like, I don't know, what have I got to lose? And like Simon, I wasn't expecting much. But like Simon, I got so much more than I bargained for. And at this point, we'd probably be expecting that Simon should be jumping up and down like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. Jesus, you're the best. Tell me, have you considered a timeshare in a boat? Because I just think this could be so much more profitable than the whole healing thing. But instead, who knows, maybe his heart is beating especially fast. Maybe the hairs have stood up on the back of his neck. Maybe he gets that strange, dizzy feeling you get when you're having a deja vu, like, oh, wait, this isn't normal. Because next time he turns to look at Jesus, he sees him completely differently. You see, Simon knows fishing and he knows fish. And therefore he knows that this volume of fish at this precise moment, at this time of day, this is more than just luck or chance or coincidence or fluke. This is a miracle. And as the Jewish man that he is, Simon knows that there is only one person who has power over creation in this way. There's only one person who is Lord of the seas, and that is God himself. So that man that earlier he was calling master, he's now calling Lord and falling at his feet in what is a very clear act of worship. God has met Simon right where he's at, on his own turf, in his own boat. Simon stops striving, he surrenders, and he sees. And he sees God. And initially, he's terrified. He says, Lord, go away from me, which is actually a pretty common reaction for people who've seen God in the Bible. There's a guy called Isaiah earlier on, and he says, woe to me, I am ruined. My eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. And there's another guy called Job, not Job, as I thought for quite a lot of my life, but he says, my ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and I repent in dust and ashes. And you think, wait, what is it about God that causes these men to react like this? In short, it's his holiness. And when we talk about God being holy, we're talking about the fact that he's not like us, he's different from us, he's set apart. He's perfectly pure and just and righteous and good and loving and entirely sovereign and all-powerful. The Bible says his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. No wonder Simon is on his knees at this point. Simon sees God and he sees himself in light of God. He says, I am a sinful man. He's suddenly so aware of how much he misses the mark. And that's essentially what sin is when we talk about sin. It's us missing the mark. The Bible says we all fall short of the glory of God. That means regardless of your best attempts to be a good person or a moral person or to do good deeds or however much you give to charity, I don't know, even our best efforts fall short when the standard, the benchmark is God himself. 
Interestingly, Simon doesn't come to this realization because Jesus tells him. It's actually God's kindness that leads to his repentance. Simon's done so little for God and Jesus does so much for him that it makes him think, wait, I don't deserve this. Why have you done this for me? He is in awe of God and this free, unmerited gift. And I have good news for you today, because that is grace. In the presence of a holy, all-powerful God, Simon is probably expecting a very different reaction. But the Bible says, a broken and contrite heart, God will not despise. Jesus sees this in Simon, and so he says, do not be afraid. You don't have to be terrified of me. And what's more, I've got things for you to do. I've got purpose for you. I'm going to make you a fisher of men. There's one final thing to note in this account that we could easily miss. It's just the last line. But it says, when they got back to shore, they left everything and followed him. They left everything. That includes that massive money-making pile of fish. And you think, Wait, why did you do that? I thought this whole thing was about fish. But the truth is, they've seen God and they've had a realization. And the realization is at this. There's more to life than fish. There's more to life than fish. And when I'm talking about fish in regards to us, I'm talking about the things of this world. I'm talking about the titles you can acquire and the accolades and the money and the things on your Christmas list. I'm talking about the house, the spouse, the 2.1 kids and the dog. And don't get me wrong, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying these are inherently bad things. I for one am grateful that I have a house and a job and family and friends. And I know some of you really love your dog, arguably more than anything else that I've listed. But what I am saying is that there's more to life than those things and following Jesus is better than all of it. And Simon and friends saw it that day on the shore and I saw it that Sunday evening in May many, many years ago. After that small moment of surrender I had, I had someone pray with me and I had an encounter with the living God and I won't go into detail about what that looks like because People can get hung up in experiences, but safe to say for what felt like the first time, I knew he is real and I knew he is good and I knew he is so worth following. And I remember praying after that moment and it was basically just me saying what was in my head out loud. I remember praying and saying, I don't really understand what just happened here and I'm kind of scared because I don't know what it means for me or for my life going forwards. But... I trust you and I want to follow you and I'm going to take your hand and I'm going to walk with you wherever you lead me. And I still get a bit emotional every time that I think about it, but it's not actually because of that one moment. It's because of the countless moments since where I've known the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God and his kindness and his protection and his encouragement and his mercy and his forgiveness. Following Jesus is the best decision I ever made and I know now that I can recognize his voice, I can feel his presence, I can sense his nearness, I can receive his revelation in the same way that I know my dad's laugh or I 
know the smell of my mom's perfume or I could pick all of my housemates' clothes out of a pile on the floor because I have relationship with them. And I'll be real honest with you today, I'm not saying that relationship with God doesn't means that life is perfect or that it's never hard or that there hasn't been sacrifice. But I can honestly say that I've never looked back. Following Jesus is the greatest adventure that I could be on. And I truly believe today that that is his invitation to all of us again, whether for the first time or for the 500th time, if that's even a number. I'm gonna hand back over to Chris in a minute and we're gonna sing a song. But I just wanted to take this opportunity to say, I don't know where you're at in your life and I don't know where you're at with God. And maybe you're skeptical, maybe you have questions, maybe you have Christian family friends, maybe you don't know why you're here. Maybe like Simon, you've heard the teachings before, you've sat in that boat, but you couldn't say you know Jesus as your Lord. Well, if this message has resonated with you, if it's stirred something in you, then there's a very real opportunity for you to know and experience that for yourself today. There's a little button somewhere on the screen where it says, I'd like to know more about following Jesus. Spoiler alert, it's not magic, but if you press it, it's kind of an outward expression of an act of faith, if you like, and a member of our prayer team will be in touch with you. Maybe that's not for you today and that's okay, but you'd like to find out more. Well, we run a series of courses over a year called Alpha. They're currently online and they're essentially just a safe, non-pressurized space for you to ask the big questions and discuss them with good people. If you'd like to find out more, you can find out on our website. And finally, if you are a Christian today, this message is still for you. I know all too well it can still be so easy to strive in this life when we're actually called to a constant surrendering to Jesus. What is it that he might be calling you to surrender afresh today? Because at the end of the day, there's still so much more for you to see and to know and to experience. So it's a reminder for us all to forget the fish. Forget the fish because when all is said and done and when all of the things of this world pass away and everything that you've worked for, which one day it will, you can rest knowing that you have already found the pearl of great price, a relationship with God. And so whatever happens in this world around us, you can know that God is with you.